Today's episode of Onto Waveland is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Hey, welcome, folks. It's on to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Patrick Mooney. You know what? I just realized as I was introing that, because like I think I mentioned a few pauses ago that I've gotten almost two in a rhythm, like with the intros just being like rote and smooth. But it occurred to me as part of my rote, smooth intro, I, I have started to say, you know, this is Brett Taylor and I'm joined by like, I feel like that's making it sound like I'm saying this is my house and I've allowed you to come over to my house. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't mean it to sound like that. This is we're 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 we're, we're partners in this. So I please, uh, you know, accept my apologies, Patrick, if you felt like I was making it sound like this is my podcast and I've I have allowed you to pe- appear on it. You know, I did not take it personally at all. In fact, you know, I wasn't even listening. Normally, I just wait until <laughs> Sahadev's like third digression, and then I have like kind of an alarm on my iPhone, and I was like, "All right, let's make something up. It's my turn to talk." <laughs> Dude, you're gonna have to be on your toes. It's just you and me, so like that that extra lull of like waiting for um, Sahadev to respond. Have you noticed? <laughs> this is bad. I feel, you know, <laughs> we're talking behind his back a little bit, but I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> the listeners will enjoy. But like, so obviously we've established that rhythm. Like I'll. I'll say something, sort of set it up, and then Sahadev goes first, responding. And he always, he goes, yeah, blah, da, 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 da. <laughs> Every time. You guys, wait, see, he won't listen to this episode. And so I want all of you listeners to take mental note of that. And when he's back on the next one, you'll see. I'll set something up and he'll go, yeah. Okay? And it's always that intonation, too. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's, let's transition. (laughs) Um, so (laughs) it is me and Patrick today. Uh, and we have, uh, I think some pretty darn interesting stuff to discuss that's been developing over the course of this week, uh, insofar as things can develop right now in the baseball world. Um, so obviously you guys all know the context, uh, uh, the backdrop against all, uh, the backdrop against which all of these conversations take place. And it's that uh, things are shut down right now and it's in major league baseball's interest and the player's interest to um, understand that there might not be baseball this year, but if there is going to be baseball this year, it might have to look very, very foreign to what we're used to. And, and they have to make plans, at least kick around discussions. And one that started to get a lot of heat, Last weekend, so about a week ago, uh, Ken Rosenthal reported that um, there were conversations being had about the possibility of playing games um, without fans at spring training sites. And then there were some subsequent subsequent reports uh, from ESPN and the AP that kind of filled it out a little bit more. And it 
at the time kind of narrowed it to this idea that you would uh, bring all the players to Arizona and they would be essentially under quarantine to play at various facilities around the Phoenix area because in Arizona, everything geographically is, is pretty close when it comes to the spring training sites. So you'd have them under quarantine. They'd play for the TV cameras and it would sort of be as long as they needed to be there. That's where they would play. And as long as they could keep everyone safe and do the appropriate testing and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, debated, you know, over the course of the days, cause there's not, we don't have a lot else of substance to talk about. And, you know, I, I felt like I was, um, intoning daily that like, it's just a contingency plan. It's just one idea. So we're going to do that again. We'll talk about that plan in contrast to another version. So USA Today, uh, today, via Bob Nightingale mentions that another version of that that's being discussed and this kind of harkens back to what Ken Rosenthal wrote about last weekend is that instead of having everybody in Arizona, which does come with certain advantages, um, instead you would leave the spring training leagues as they were, the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League, and you would let the teams instead be where they normally are in Arizona or Florida for spring training. And essentially those would become your new leagues for the 2020 season. Um, obviously that is, uh, you know, it's just a one year thing, but it, 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 people get interested when you talk about radical realignment, uh, and that's essentially what it would be to make this happen. And so, um, all logistical, or uh, let me say this, Patrick and I will probably talk about some of the logistical issues with these plans, but let me cover the part that we won't necessarily dig into, which is the huge coverall when it comes to all things COVID-19. Um, none of this works. None of this makes any sense. None of this actually happens unless and until we sort of at a national level have our hands around the outbreak. Uh, we see, you know, peak cases declining. We see uh, massive testing becoming widely available, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So please understand, we know that we know that's the most important thing. And this is all coming against that with that, that context in mind. Okay. So we're sort of setting that part aside, even though we acknowledge it's the most important thing. So, uh, let me throw it to you, Patrick. Um, you know, when you think, let's start here. When you think about these potential plans, how do they strike you in terms of like gut level? Can this work? Does some version of this work? What version of it seems to work best for you? You know, give me your reaction on that level. Yeah, I guess maybe I'll chart it beginning this way. You totally from... just did it, by the way. You totally did the, yeah. Uh, you, so you're already, <laughs> you're filling in good for, for the first responder. I just kept picturing that Sahade meme of him just like eyeballing Theo or whatever it is that people <laughs> put on, on Twitter. Um, but no, it would be Ken Rosenthal's initial report uh, late last week, whatever it was, Friday night into Saturday, Um I thought mapped out a lot of different scenarios and put in a lot of different qualifiers and disclaimers. And I think we've all kind of wrapped our brains around this idea that it's going to be empty stadiums, period. Like, I remember that was like a big question kind of when they shut down the clubhouses for the media uh, in the middle of March. Like, could you imagine playing in a stadium with no fans? And of course, every player was like, we love the fans. You know, it was like every single answer. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be for that. And 
we've obviously readjusted from there and you have a lot of terrific reporters from you know ken and jason stark and evan drellick and uh Jeff Passan and uh, Bob Nightingale have done some real good work on this. And I, I think it's really hard to um, process some of this and not have your own, you know, personal feelings or not think about kind of uh, external factors. And I think to me that ESPN report um, that was out there, it was this idea of as soon as may kind of against the backdrop of clearly this, um, tension between kind of public health and legitimate concerns about uh, the economy. And that to me was kind of the takeaway of how fast this, um, how this could be fast tracked. And that kind of really bothered me when like uh, people who work in grocery stores are dying and like, you really want to, um, you know, put on a, a baseball season and, uh, you know, the idea of, well, you know, no resources will be diverted at all, um, you know, just sounds crazy to me because clearly, um, you know, rich and famous people, professional athletes have had uh, a lot more access, uh, you know, to things, you know, like testing and better health care. And it just seemed kind of uh, unrealistic to me. And I think now your kind of brain starts working and, you know, uh, like everyone you kind of go through these highs and lows and, you know, maybe, um, you know, given all the, uh, you know, everyone in the world is trying to, you know, fast track this and there's a ton of resources, you know, being thrown at it and, you know, things, you know, will get better eventually. This can't go on forever. And yeah, let's think about, um, you know, Bob Nightingale's great report of, you know, breaking it into the grapefruit and cactus leagues. And all of a sudden, you know, it's not about, Oh, shortened season, how many games they're missing. It's, oh, wow. If you're going from zero games to like 80 games, like that's, that would be awesome. Right. So, uh, I liked your idea, Brett, of, uh, putting the Cubs and White Sox, uh, in the same division, even if it's in, uh, the Valley of the Sun and not, uh, Chicago. But I think, um, all those things you mentioned at the top of, you know, what our priorities and concerns are right now, but, yeah, I mean, how cool would that be if you could get, you know, the Cubs and White Sox, uh, particularly this White Sox team this year, um, you know, playing against each other and uh, giving fans, you know, something awesome to watch uh, from their couch while they're sheltering in place. The um, I agree with you, and I want to emphasize this. It's funny that you mentioned it because um, we had – so Sahadev and I had Keith Law on for the last episode and this stuff had just started to come out and we, we knew we weren't really going to be able to get into it in that episode. So we actually just had real quick reactions to this stuff. And um, for us too, the, the ESPN report, the, as soon as may, that was the part that was really for me, the only part that kind of suck in my craw. Cause it just doesn't it, like, I'm not an expert. I'm not, I understand that things can look so different in a month because heck a month ago they looked so different. Um, but it, that was the, that was the part that I had trouble reconciling with like any kind of realistic approach. So uh, a little part of the Nightingale report that then um, I don't want to say it made me feel better, but it resonated a bit more is, I mean, he, he mentioned even sort of a, a level of games being played against each of the teams in your division and your, your league. And 
the the math on it it came out to 108 games and um a part of me was like okay let me do a little quick backwards math here if they were only going to play 100 games which it's you know that's the level they should be hoping for at this point as a sort of a dream scenario um you can work backwards and if regular season played into october you know you wouldn't actually have to get this thing started until july and i know everybody wants it back super soon but doesn't it feel a lot more plausible in july than may and so um i i did find that interesting and like you said the fact that you are going with cactus league and grapefruit league it does allow you to do some really interesting things like having the Cubs and White Sox play in the same division, um, which look, I know it's not the same thing as them actually being in the same division, but like, you know, for a year, that just would be kind of wild and fun. You like this year's going to be, if there's a season, it's going to be weird no matter what. There's just, there's no way around that. So like, what the heck let's get real weird. And like you said, Patrick, this White Sox team this year, um, you know, it figured to be pretty darn interesting and it would be, I mean, I just, I know that we are in the Chicago media, so we probably swoon over it a little bit more than um, folks who are just like hardcore, you know, Cubs fans around the country. But um, it just would be interesting to see all those storylines playing out through the course of a year uh, to see the White Sox as they're trying to turn the corner and become what the Cubs became four years ago. Um, whereas the Cubs are sort of trying to hang on to what they have and make one or two last runs at it. Uh, that just, that would be fun. It would be a lot of fun to follow that. Um, and I, um, you know, I noticed in, in, uh, Bob Nightingale's version of, of the realignment geographically in the Phoenix area, it doesn't work out quite as well because you do have teams uh, around Mesa where the Cubs are a lot closer than where the White Sox are. I made, I made that uh, drive one time out to out to where they because they share with the Dodgers, right? Yes. Uh, and it it uh, it sucked, man. I, you've probably done that <laughs> several times. That was not fun. I'm like, aren't these all supposed to be really close to each other? Uh, so, <laughs> setting that aside, it would be very interesting to see the two of them in the same division. Yeah, and I guess you know some of the initial shock from these plans, you know, inevitably start to wear off and. Yeah, maybe dividing Major League Baseball in half and kind of maybe taking these, you know, more gradual steps uh, for whatever reason just, you know, makes a little more sense than kind of, uh, you know, this like Hunger Games compound in the desert of all 30 teams like, um, you know, playing one another for the, you know, glory of our country and like restarting the economy it just it was just like a lot to process when everyone is already kind of on edge and experiencing cabin fever and um you know constantly checking twitter and staring at their phone and watching the news uh and watching too much bad netflix like that was a lot for me personally but all of a sudden you can say you know maybe you know we get to a place where, um, you know, I think we had talked about this, one of our first kind of, you know, post shutdown podcasts of like a chance to do something different. And I spoke with uh, a couple weeks ago, I spoke with Mike McCarthy, the GM of the marquee sports network. And it was a long conversation talking about a lot of different issues as you're, you know, trying to ramp up a network. And obviously they have, 
they don't have that kind of gold live programming that they were banking on. But, you know, towards the end of that conversation, we were talking about how, you know, players were mic'd up for ESPN and Marquee and, you know, how they were kind of thinking of ideas. And, you know, he had kind of mentioned that he thought, you know, whenever baseball returns, hopefully sooner rather than later, that there will be kind of um, a, a sense of openness and um, a willingness to, you know, experiment and uh, get creative. And uh, obviously people um, really miss these live sports games that, you know, they miss, you know, kind of the, the emotion, the pageantry, uh, the connection that these events bring. And if, you know, people can't go into uh, stadiums anymore, people may not uh, want to understandably for a while. Uh, I do think whether it's kind of uh, certain rules, tweaks, uh, roster enhancements, the, you know, the access given to, TV, um, you know, maybe players uh, in a sport that really uh, can be rigid at, at times and doesn't really encourage players to show their personalities. Maybe as we begin to reemerge uh, from this crisis, maybe um, there will be something you know kind of kind of interesting there in Arizona on the other side. Yeah, the um, you know, like you said, we've talked about it before that it. What, however this plays out will provide these opportunities for experimentation or even just not even experimentation, but just like organic things that might have to happen to make this season work. And you might look back and be like, oh, that actually played out pretty interestingly. You know, like there's going to have to be adjustments to the roster. Uh, if you do the this hybrid plan between Arizona and Florida, you're going to have to have the DH pretty much every game, um, you know, for double headers. You might have to do seven innings. Um a lot of things that may be required to make this work. It's possible that the league and the players and the fans will look at it and think, oh, not only was that not as bad as I thought it would be if you'd told me in um, normal times, like, oh, we're going to try out this. And you know how people are. They react strongly like, oh, my God, don't change my game. Um, but now the, the the requirement to change just might lead to a more a, a willingness not only of of the league and the players to adapt you know like you mentioned it is you know it's just historically slow to do that but also fan acceptance you might see some flexibility there and i think about um with this the idea of playing the in the cactus league and grapefruit league as the leagues this year now that's not something that will uh, stick, right? We'll, we'll return at some point to the American League and the National League, and it will be like that. But something I did think about is, you know, it's not that far off that we're going to see expansion in Major League Baseball again. We're actually in the largest lull um, of expansion in the expansion era. And I think there's going to be a significant push uh, eventually in this decade to add two more teams, get to 32, and with that, you're almost certainly going to see realignment. You're probably going to see something like the NFL model where you've got two leagues of four divisions of four teams. Um, and if that happens, well, the NL Central is not going to be comprised of the same clubs. And if you are adding two more and you're realigning anyway, there's probably going to be some push to maybe really significantly realign. And 
it makes me wonder um, if if there's an experience this year where you've got sort of these completely crazy divisions where it's just totally different teams than you're used to seeing regularly and maybe just sort of the intrigue of different kinds of rivalries emerge and people get they see okay maybe it's not that crazy the Cubs and White Sox playing in the same division um, I mean that's just anathema to anybody but like maybe it happens maybe it's not so crazy well there are, I'm just saying there are geographic reasons that if you went to 32 teams four divisions uh, and four teams in each, you know, there are geographic reasons that it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have um, the Cubs and the White Sox in the same division. I know that's crazy to say, but again, just saying when we're in a year where things are going to get wild no matter what, you never know what's going to happen on the other end of it in terms of what we realize was maybe not so bad all along. Yeah, just think of all these like laughable ideas that are like considered, you know, air quotes sacred, you know, as of just a couple of months ago, like, you know, managers complaining about, you know, three batter minimums or whether it's the DH or, you know, uh, we're an American League franchise or I like the National League game. And I think obviously everything, you know, comes down to money and, you know, TV money, you know, fuels professional sports. But I mean, let's be honest, there are times when baseball is stale. These games are too long. I mean, the, the best manager in Cubs history, Joe Madden, literally his philosophy was like meatloaf, like two out of three ain't bad. Like these games, <laughs> at a certain point, these games don't mean a whole lot. If a you know, future Hall of Fame manager is saying, yeah, let's win two out of three, we'll be good. So, I mean, imagine uh, kind of the the frenzy that would be around like say, you know, a hundred game season, if they could get to that, even, you know, an 80 game season, all of a sudden, um, that'd be really interesting, particularly after, you know, people are in withdrawal for, for months and looking for kind of things to watch and bond over all of a sudden you also have what a collective bargain agreement expiring after 2021 season. So maybe all of these forces, um, kind of compel, uh, all the stakeholders to kind of think outside the box and not be so chained to kind of the way things have been done for decades and decades. Yeah. I think that, you know, you wouldn't go so far as to say it's like um, something good will come out of all of this because that's just a level of crass that I don't think anybody's interested in, but you do. I, I think we all recognize that, um, when change is compelled, there are opportunities there for some reflection. So I, you know, I am looking forward to that aspect. I do want to mention my one, before we wrap, I want to mention my one logistical beef with the, you know, if you're going to do this spring training plan, Arizona plan or splitting it between Arizona and Florida. My one beef with the Cactus League Grapefruit League version is that if you go that route, then you are completely foreclosing any possibility of resuming the regular, regular season later in the year should crowds be permitted at home stadiums. Um, you know, you imagine a scenario where you kick this thing off uh, in June or July, and then, you know, for whatever scientific or medical reason, it's like September rolls around and it's like, oh, we can do this now. We can have crowds, we can come back to the home stadiums and it's good to go. Well you've just set up new divisions and new schedules that are, you know, have the Cubs and the A's and the Giants in the same division. 
that just isn't going to work. If you go this route, that's your league for the year, period. Um, not the worst thing in the world, but with the Arizona plan, if, if every team is still playing their quote-unquote regular schedule and things changed in the rest of the country, you would be able to shift. It, it would just be like an intro to the season. You'd be able to shift back to the, the stadiums. And, you know, nobody wants to make it about the money, but there is a consideration there that I'm sure there are going to be a lot of owners that would rather hold out for the possibility of recouping some home dates uh, through this process. And that's, I think, you know, I imagine as the conversation evolves about these various possible plans, I do anticipate that's a, that's a, a point that people will make. I just want one add on to some that you had actually written on Bleacher Nation, not to totally steal what you've already written, but I thought it was an excellent point that obviously everyone is focused on safety and public health and, you know, people kind of working on the front lines, but, you know, the idea of baseball completely disappearing off the 2020 calendar, that is really significant and not just for the reasons of, you know, I like watching the Cubs on TV or whatever your team is. It's, you made the point that these teams employ a lot of people and they're not just these millionaire ball players. And there are a lot of people who are freelancers who put together these games behind the scenes and, you know, work really hard and are really talented and just happen to have, you know, kind of uh, an employment structure where they're not salaried. And so if you could bring some of that back, if you could, you know, these hotels that I'd imagine are are sitting empty uh, in Arizona, um, there's a, there's a lot uh, at stake there. And it's not just about, you know, kind of, wins and losses and you know kind of the laundry you root for on the field that there really is just uh an enormous economic impact and if they could somehow find a way to salvage some of that that would be uh meaningful baseball shouldn't be the priority but it certainly does um uh, have its place both you know culturally and economically it, it means a, a lot to a lot of people who um you know have to pay bills and, and things like that. I think that's a good place to leave it because I um, thank you for the plug. And also, yeah, I think that I feel like sometimes that's a point that's lost because it's very easy to say, um, hey, you know, public health trumps your silly sport. And it's like, that's true, but it's really part and parcel of the larger national conversation that we're having that we all want the safety uh, but we all also know that there are a lot of people that are suffering hardships right now because of of what we have needed to do to fight this virus. And that part can't go on forever because um, people, you know, they need to live, they need to work, they need to earn. So that's the balance. And, and baseball is in some ways just a microcosm of that. So we'll we'll continue to track that part of it. Uh, these these potential plans and contingency plans, you know, heck man, hopefully by the next time we record, there's an even crazier idea for how to intro the season, all digital. Everybody will get a VR headset and they will play each other from their homes. And, uh, you know, dude, I'd watch it. I'd watch it actually. And I should mention, since I say that they're, they are doing a little bit of a fun thing. Um, a group of 30 major league baseball players are each representing a team in a, uh, virtual, 
mini season of MLB The Show over the next few weeks. Um, you, you know, give that a Google. You'll find the details on that. It's it's interesting. It's it'll be something for people to enjoy. So uh, thank you all for listening, and thank you to Patrick. Read his great stuff as always at the Athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can read my stuff at Bleacher Nation. And we will be back at you next week. And hope you all have a safe and healthy and happy Easter. And, uh, you know, appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you are subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. And rate and review us with your loving and glowing words of affection. Take care, all. Bye. Bye.